Welcome to season two of Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan, and I am thrilled to be back with an all-star roster of interviewees. This season, we dive deep into how some of the best product marketers in the game got to where they are. We talk about how they balance their personal lives with their professional business, and also examine some of the times they have failed and what they learned from that. Thanks so much to the Women in Product Marketing community for all of the wonderful feedback about the show. We've really listened to you and hope that this new season gives you even more insights and inspiration about product marketing. That's why I am so pumped to kick off this season with Morgan Molnar. She's the Director of Product Marketing at SurveyMonkey. Morgan started her PMM journey with two big leaps, first from the research world into the unfamiliar tech world, and then into the world of PMM. In this episode, we'll discuss how Morgan leaned in to her previous skill set to navigate the journey, and how she tackled personal branding with just a single survey, and also how she's approaching product marketing now as a leader in the realm. Her superpower is product launches, which I'm sure will come in handy as her team navigates launching 10 new market research solutions in 2021. Women in Product Marketing is proudly supported by Clue. That's Clue with a K, the competitive enablement platform for all product marketers. This podcast is produced by ShareBird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It is the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, so things that you liked or things you want to hear more of, please send me a note on LinkedIn or feel free to email podcasts at sharebird.com. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan from Adobe, and I'm so excited today to have our first guest of season two. This is Morgan Molnar, the Director of Product Marketing for SurveyMonkey. She is a market researcher turned product marketer, and her superpower is product launches. So excited to have you here today. Welcome, Morgan. Thank you so much and excited to be kicking off season two of such a great podcast. Yes, let's do it. I want to start (laughs) off with a, what I think is a fun question, but maybe a little scary. What's something that you've done recently that has scared you? It's a great question. And I actually have done something recently that terrified me a little bit. And I do a ton of public speaking. I've been on some podcasts. I do conference presentations all day long, but the opportunity came up very recently, only just a couple months ago to give a guest lecture at Harvard Business School. And that was just a totally different forum for me. And to be associated with that name, you know, I've never done anything with academia. And so I just, you know, hopped right to the top, but (laughs) It was for their startup bootcamp and the topic was on market research for startups. And actually a fellow colleague brought me into the fold as she had the connection there and was prepping for a presentation and and this guest lecture. And she was asking me for a lot of resources on a topic that I know really well inside and out could talk about it in my sleep. And she asked me, oh, actually, do you want a guest lecture with me? And you can't really say no to an opportunity (laughs) like that, even if it did terrify me. But it was such a great example, too, of women lifting up other women and championing other women and bringing up opportunities for other women. So thank you to Christine, one of my colleagues at SurveyMonkey, for that opportunity. It went great. There were tons of technical difficulties, but we we (laughs) totally rocked it and got a ton of great feedback from the students afterwards. And I don't know why. I was nervous because students just love to absorb knowledge of subject matter experts. So it ended up being a great time. 
That is so baller. How <laughs> cool. And I mean, it's so interesting to be speaking at such a prestigious university, but then you are the expert that they are looking up to. That is so Yeah, it, it ended up being a perfect fit. And what I posted about it afterwards, I said, I just checked off a bucket list item I didn't even know I had. And <laughs> so it really did feel good to accomplish something like that. But yeah, it did scare me a little bit too. Were you scared during the presentation or once you got going? Once I'm going, I'm always very comfortable. What scared me was that Christine's laptop died in the middle of the presentation. And so I had to carry it on during her parts and things that we had just agreed upon that she would cover. So, you know, it was kind of the former theater person in me thinking, okay, the show's got to go on and just kept rolling with it. And then it ended up being great. Wow, that's amazing. Well, you must have known the content really well, which is always be prepared. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And always have a talk track or a script in front of you <laughs> that oh you can God. fall back on. I think that's my biggest fear in the Zoom era that we're in right now, that a colleague's presentation or computer is going to crash during something really critical. So I'm right. very impressed you were able to keep that going. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what do you do when the slides don't show up or your internet goes out or yeah, well, how do you keep it going? How do you keep it entertaining too? That's amazing. Well, so excited to have you here today. You're the director of product marketing for SurveyMonkey. I'd love to hear a little bit about your job and how you got there. Thanks. I got to be honest, I totally fell into product marketing. It was not a career aspiration of mine. It wasn't a role I even knew existed (laughs) when I started doing it. And it has been such a fun journey to grow my marketing career in this function. So yeah, I lead product marketing for SurveyMonkey's market research business. I've been at SurveyMonkey for over six years and it's not always been in marketing and it's not always been in product marketing. And so I've gotten to see a little bit of the lay of the land on how our marketing department functions. And as we were growing, kind of fell into the product marketing role. What I do is, I mean, I have a small but mighty team. (laughs) We lead product marketing for our market research business, which I think most people know SurveyMonkey for our surveys. You've either taken a survey or maybe Maybe you've sent out your own survey and we do, that is still a pretty big core part of our business is our surveys product, but we also have solutions for customer experience and market research. And I am on the market research side of our business and we are building solutions like crazy. And so my team gets to be in the center of the, you know, really taking those new solutions to market. And actually in 2021, we're launching 10 new market research solutions. So we've got a pretty busy year ahead of us. So it's a really fun job. We get to be in the center of sales and product and marketing. And if I think about another function in marketing that I would want to do more, I really just can't. Product marketing is really just the best. And I love that I've found my way here. That's so amazing. I hear that a lot, actually. And that was a similar story to mine, too, where you didn't know really about the role, but then all of a sudden you kind of realize, oh my gosh, this actually aligns to skill sets that I have and it's the perfect fit. Yeah. And I, just to jump on that, I mean, when I was first even learning about what product marketing was, I had a mentor, actually our mutual friend Chuck sat me down in a room. I was debating between product management and product marketing because I really liked the strategic side of both of the jobs, honestly, in terms of how you drive what you build, how you go to market, and you're really at the core of that quarterbacking a lot of things, especially (laughs) cross-functionally. 
And he sat me down. He wrote on the whiteboard all the different day-to-day aspects of both of those jobs, who I would be working with, the types of personalities, the types of work that I would be doing day in, day out. And then also he probably knew me a little bit more than I knew myself and also outlined where he thought my skill sets aligned. And the earlier parts of my roles at SurveyMonkey were all about getting on the phone with customers and being a bit of a subject matter expert in market research. And so I really got to know our customers, what they care about, what they needed, how our products could solve their problems. And then I also was really involved in the sales process. So I knew how our sales team was talking about our products and what materials they needed and what they were doing. And then I was also helping develop packaged up research solutions that we were bringing to market, which was probably more the product side, but I also was really good at figuring out how to map needs to features and that value that that delivered. And so when I think about all the things that I learned earlier in my career at SurveyMonkey, it just laddered up to that perfect skill set needed for a product marketing role. And so in that whiteboard session, I kind of came to that conclusion and probably was manipulated into that conclusion a little bit, but, you know, started doing product marketing then and haven't really looked back. Um, And SurveyMonkey has been just such a great place to grow my career. I've risen from product marketing manager to managing a small team to now being a director and have been able to expand my scope and responsibility through that, which has been really just a great challenge and really fun. That's so amazing and just kind of shows the power of mentorship. I believe Chuck, this is Chuck Brinker. He was the former VP of product at SurveyMonkey. Yes. He has been your mentor for many years as well, right? Yeah. He hired me six years ago (laughs) and it's interesting because even when I first started in product marketing, he was my manager and he had never managed a product marketer before. So we were kind of learning the function as we went. So I've been very self-taught having fallen into this field and so. So it's really, honestly, I'm proud of myself to see how far that I've been able to come. And even being on your podcast is such an honor because, you know, getting to share my wisdom that I've learned over the years has been, again, very self-built. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for giving back and sharing your journey. It's so valuable to everyone listening and so happy for this. One thing I wanted to dive into a little bit more because we tend to have people from very varied backgrounds on the show that have different levels of experience before they pop into product marketing, but we haven't yet had a market researcher. Mm, Can you tell us a little bit about how you targeted a startup and how you targeted product marketing a little bit from the market research background? I'd love to hear more about what brought you to the room where you had the whiteboard session (laughs) thinking about product marketing versus product management and what were the steps to get you there? Yeah. So I I began my career at Nielsen doing a lot more analytics on marketing effectiveness and things like that. I had a lot of consumer goods clients and learned a lot about the broader marketing mix that they use to go to market with their B2C products, which was really great foundation and learning. My earlier days at SurveyMonkey and in the way that I, again, this is going to sound like I don't plan my career at all because I fall into everything, but after moving across the country from the East Coast to the Bay Area, this is how I discovered that SurveyMonkey was close by. I was part of their contribute panel and their contribute panel is a panel of survey takers who will take surveys and the incentive 
incentive that we give is a 50 cent donation to charity. And so I was, you know, kind of being a research nerd, I was part of the panel already and got a survey invitation to take a survey after I'd moved out to the Bay Area and discovered that Survey Monkey was right down the road from where I had just moved. So just very coincidental and had to look into Survey Monkey. I thought of SurveyMonkey more as a research company than I did a tech company, but moving to the Bay Area, of course, got that Silicon Valley buzz and that desire to move to tech. And it felt like a really good fit, both for my skill set, but also if I was going to make the plunge into tech, this was a very safe space. Like I already felt like I had some expertise here and that I could offer value right away, even though I was learning the world of tech kind of from scratch. And so that was what made me feel much more comfortable taking that plunge. And then my earlier roles at SurveyMonkey, I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I was part of the sales organization, actually. I wasn't in a necessarily a research function, but I was bringing a lot of research expertise in terms of how we crafted the solutions and services that we were going to be offering to our customers. And so I was doing things like building survey templates and calculators and ways to to easily and more in an automated way, create insights, reports, and things like that. So in a way, I was very involved in the kind of work that our customers were doing. And so when I think about making that switch to product marketing, again, it was not like I really planned it. It was, if I'm going to be making a move to marketing, well, marketing a market research product is something that's going to be very comfortable to me. So even though the function is new, the subject matter and the customers and the industry is very comfortable. And so I actually think about that even as I look into my future in terms of jumps I would potentially want to make. It's, you know, there could be a couple new things, but is there one connecting thread that you'll still be comfortable with or still feel like an expert with? And I'm the kind of person where if I am doing something that is completely outside my comfort zone, I might not be as bold or I might not take as many risks, but if you've at least got some semblance of that connecting thread, and for me, Mark research has kind of always been that connecting thread, even as I've moved to different functions or different roles, I know that space really well. And so I feel like an expert and I feel like I can do well and have an impact right away. It's great to have that anchor. And I love that you talked about it as kind of a confidence builder and leaning into the area of expertise that you need to help you expand up from there. I hear that a lot, you know, moving into industries where people feel comfortable and then they're able to be a product marketer growing in that vein or having some Mm -hmm. thread that ties it together. I think that's Yeah. And I mean, coincidentally, I'd say the function in marketing that probably does the most research is product marketing. You think about getting close to your customers, both qualitative and quantitative research have tons of applications. If you think about uh, competitive intelligence, there's a lot of research that you're likely doing there. If you think about testing messaging or product names, or even thinking about how you are positioning yourself and how that then reflects or what your brand perception is. And so there's a lot of research that you're involved in as a product marketer. And so especially in that area, I've become very proficient and feel very confident in doing that kind of research because I have the background. And I think that's such a little known part of product marketing. And when I talk about it kind of end to end as market validation to product launch to post momentum, enablement, Mm -hmm. campaigns, things like that. I think a lot of people are always surprised that there's that research component to it as well. So I'm really excited that you explained it in that way. 
Yeah. I mean, I work at SurveyMonkey, right? So we're a very data-centric organization. We, of course, have the tools at our disposal to do a lot of the research that most product marketers probably wish they did. So for me, it's actually a great place to be a product marketer because I am able to do the kind of research that I would need to to get close to customers, to understand my my market, to test messaging, all of that. I can do very quickly with the product I actually sell. That's amazing. What a good combination of all your skills too. I know. I know. I don't know where else I would go. It's such a good fit for me. (laughs) (laughs) And so you mentioned that there are 10 product launches or product solutions launches, even bigger than that coming up this year. So I want to pick your brain a little bit about this. That is a lot. So I I would love to think about, (laughs) you know, talking about how you're thinking about the timing of each launch moment. How is that something you're thinking about rolling out? Is it aligned to themes or events that are happening? Are you guys rolling each of these launches into a larger vision? Tell us a little bit about how you're structuring that because that could seem really daunting if you've never done something like that before. Yes. And I've even heard you say in earlier podcasts, Mary, that you have worked in places where you're launching over a hundred features in a given year. And that actually might be true at SurveyMonkey, especially across all of our different lines of business. But for market research, it's not just feature launches, it's actual new product launches. Launches, which, you know, from scratch probably have slightly different target audiences, competitive sets, etc. So it is a big undertaking. And, and actually, when I saw that goal first put in front of me, my first instinct was to laugh. But no, it, it's exciting because it means that we definitely have aggressive goals to expand. And one thing that I'll answer this in a couple ways. So your main question was around timing. And I'd say that it's really hard to have 10 separate launch moments in 12 months. So you have to out December's out. (laughs) Exactly. So that's the first thing that I think about. The other is the way that at least we are building these solutions. Some of the 10 that I mentioned is actually a repackaging or a repositioning of a very similar product. So I'll give you an example. In April this year, we're launching a brand tracker and an industry tracker. And those are essentially very similar in the product experience, but they are marketed to different audiences. They've got a different name. They've got a slightly different use case. So the brand tracker being much more for brand managers and insights professionals tracking their own brand health. But the industry tracker, we're actually targeting more towards investors and folks who are doing research and due diligence on certain categories or industries where they're making investments. So it's different in that way, but it actually is great because we can kind of bundle that work together. If I think about the work that a product marketer and our team has to take on in terms of defining those audiences and talking about all the positioning work and messaging work that needs to go into how we talk about the products, there's a lot of similarities there, but then you just put a slightly different spin on the messaging. So for example, the dashboarding component for a brand manager might be more about crafting different narratives for your different stakeholders, but that same feature might have a different need for an investor that might be keeping their data more close to their chest and just want to see everything in one place. So if I think about that, that brought us down to a very specific example, but that is indicative of how we're thinking about these launches is you can't be launching them 
all at separate times. So you need to be thinking about how you bundle them. And so one way is, are they similar in the value that they solve? Or are they similar in terms of who you're targeting? And then are they similar just in terms of the timing in which they're being released? So if we work with our product teams on almost like a quarterly cadence, so every quarter there's at least for, for 2021, there's going to be one or two new solutions that are going to be ready and, and live. And so I think about what is the lag that we would need to plan for after a solution is ready in product? And then when do we plan that marketing launch date? And so bundling is definitely something that we have to consider. The other thing that I would mention is we are putting on our first inaugural event for the market research industry. It's our own virtual event that we're going to be hosting. And that is in June. And so the other thing we're thinking about is how do we create a moment around that event where we can launch additional solutions? And so certainly a bundling aspect. And there's also this, how do we align to other big moments that we have throughout the year. And so those are probably the two largest things that are driving how we're thinking about the timing of these launches, you know, outside of just like the typical things like product readiness and our just our quarterly planning cadence. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for walking us through that. It sounds really exciting and it's going to be so fun to watch from the sidelines and cheer you guys on and see how those (laughs) (laughs) Let <laughs> out. How cool. I love always bundling around an event that you're owning too, because you can do so many creative things around that. Is there yeah. anything special so for, you guys are planning? Yeah, for example, so we're going to have some really great customer panel discussions and keynote sessions. But one thing that we're also doing is a product keynote. So that is going to be our moment on the stage where we're going to be able to talk about all the new things that either have just launched or are coming soon. And this is an event that is not just going to be for prospects, but also existing customers. So the existing customers can come and see all the latest and greatest that SurveyMonkey is launching. And so it's going to be fun. We're going to try and get creative with that. And, you know, especially in a virtual environment, you have to figure out ways to engage people a little bit more than an in-person event, but hopefully next year we'll be able to do it in person. And that would be a whole different kind of spectacle. Fingers crossed. Yeah. It's going to be very (laughs) different when we all go back again now, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, looking forward to it. (laughs) I'd love to switch gears a little bit and talk about personal branding because you wrote this excellent article on LinkedIn about how you have developed your own personal brand, but actually through the use of SurveyMonkey as a tool, which I thought was so clever. And I'm actually in the process of developing my own vision statement. So I think I'm going to use this one, but I'd love if you tell our audience a little bit more about how you did what you did with personal branding and SurveyMonkey. I think it's super cool. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago and I had attended a women in leadership seminar as part of, it was LWT, Leading Women in Tech. They have a willpower program, which is great if you're in the Bay Area. I think they also have sessions in New York and Seattle as well, but I was in the Palo Alto group and they had a speaker come and she talked all about personal branding and equated that to the branding and positioning of a product. Product, which of course resonated with me. <laughs> and the thing that was really interesting about the presentation was, you know, half of personal branding is 
what do you want people to think of you? But then also, what are you actually projecting? So are those two things equal? So I might want to come across a certain way and that might be my intent, but is that really how that person is receiving your actions or your body language or what have you? And is that really what is shaping their perception of you? So the exercise or the homework that they gave us during this seminar was to ask a few people, go up to a few of your close friends or colleagues or even family members and ask them four words that come to mind when they think about you. So it's very similar to if any of you are, have done any brand research, it's kind of like an unaided perception question that you would ask someone. And I thought about this homework assignment and of course, working at SurveyMonkey, I was like, I have a tool that I use to do this very effectively at scale. So I wrote that survey. I kind of, of course, had an introduction, like, Hey, I'm doing this for a class, like humor me, <laughs> but I had a survey question, a single question survey, just, you know, what four words come to mind when you think of me personally, professionally, however, just the first things that come to mind. And I actually sent it to over 80 people. I sent it to my CEO, my CFO, my president. I sent it to folks on my marketing team. I sent it to managers and past managers. I sent it to my friends, my college friends, my high school friends. I sent it to my family. I sent it to aunts and uncles. I sent it to my in-laws. And it was the best day because I just kept getting back all of these answers from people across all walks of my life that were sending in just the most kind thoughtful words. And what was great about doing that at scale, and I think I, out of the 80 people I sent it to, I think I got 60 some odd responses, which was just overwhelming. Imagine like every few minutes I was checking the results and seeing more and more responses come in, which was just such a fun. And it was a very humbling feeling to get all that coming in. But because I did that with so many people, I actually was able to create a word cloud out of it. And you can go to my LinkedIn and see the article and see the word cloud and all that good yeah. stuff. But it was so fun to see because I got actually a bunch of words that came up, you know, eight, nine, 10 times. So people really think I'm energetic. <laughs> I've come to realize, which is certainly not something that would surprise me. But when I started to reflect on it, the things that were interesting to me, and again, this was a couple of years ago. So before I was a director, before I actually had a leadership title, I was getting things like thoughtful and smart, but what did that really mean? Did that translate in a business context to something like strategic or I was getting energetic or enthusiastic, but did that translate to motivating or inspiring in a business context? Or did people just kind of see me as a cheerleader or as just someone who could like get shit done? And it was something that I was able to reflect on. And I wrote about it in that article, but it's really interesting because I, I mean, now you ask about it and it's been a couple of years. I want to do it again. Because, you know, I've met more people, <laughs> I have more people in my network, and I would especially want to see, you know, how executives at the company may see me differently now that I've been able to rise in the ranks. And I'd want to see how my team sees me. Like, there's a lot that I could learn from doing it again. And if you think about any other brand study, you're wanting to get longitudinal data. So, of course, I'm tying that back to my research nerdiness, but I would definitely want to see how things have changed over time. Well, please keep us updated. I think that's so clever. And I've already shared it with a group of women at Adobe. So I think oh, great. more word clouds out there in the oh, world. So that makes me so happy because I have to say I was very 
think about pressing the send button of that survey to your CEO, your CFO, like it was very nerve wracking. And then even it took me probably a few months to publish the article too. Like I had gotten the results back, but man, the reception's been great. There have been other women at SurveyMonkey who have done the same exercise and everyone has said that it has been a great experience. So I definitely encourage folks listening in to give it a try. So clever. I love that. Well, I wanted to also ask a little bit about some experiences that you have had that are unique to you as a woman in product marketing. And it seems like from your background, you actually have a fantastic example of what it's like to be a woman leader. So I'd love to hear more about that and how it's influenced you. Yeah. So it's funny because I originally saw your question. You've asked this to other women on your podcast about you know their unique experience as a woman in this field. And again, I haven't had product marketing roles outside of SurveyMonkey. So I haven't seen you know, the broader industry and to have that kind of commentary on, oh, being a woman in product marketing versus being a man. I just don't have a ton of perspective there, but it, just in being a woman in business, I grew up with a mother who was a CMO, CEO was always the breadwinner in our household. And my father mostly stay at home dad, but also followed his passions as an actor. So it it was just a really fun upbringing, very lively household, but also with a very powerful, influential mother who was just such a badass in business. (laughs) And so for me, that was, you know, who I looked up to growing up and probably what gave me the ambition and drive to go after marketing as a career path, but also to continue to aspire to be a leader, lead people, lead a function and continue to progress in that way. So I feel very grateful to have the upbringing that I've had and the example that I had in my mother. And yeah, it's just, for me, it was kind of not a question that I wouldn't be able to do it because I had such a great example in my immediate family. That's so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And what company was she CEO, CMO of? A variety of marketing companies. She was at a high up executive of Advo, which was a direct mail company that was then acquired by Velasis and then went on to be CEO of Workplace Media and then had various executive roles at startups and branding agencies and things like that. So she's definitely not just been in the marketing field, but also in the marketing and advertising industry, which Again, there's some connecting threads to where I have ended up so far in my career too. That's so amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I can't believe it, but we're already at our rapid fire questions. Oh my goodness. I want to learn a little bit more about you before we have to go, but let's talk a little bit about who have been your strongest PMM mentors. I know you were mostly self-taught as a product marketer, Mm -hmm. but did mentors help you in that path at all? Yeah, there have been several people who have kind of steered me in the right direction. Chuck, I mentioned already in terms of going down the path of product marketing. Christine, who I mentioned at the very beginning of the pod, who taught at Harvard Business School with me, she was our VP of product marketing for a little while and is now our VP of customer experience. But she was such a great mentor when it came to leading teams and and building a team. And it also was one of the people who championed me when it came time to get promoted to direct 
director. So I definitely, you know, have such gratitude to both of them in terms of shaping my career. And then there've been peers as well. Like Sarah Din is someone who comes to mind. She's now a leading product marketing at, at Unbabble. She was such a great friend, but also someone who was amazing at frameworks. And I feel like we talk a lot about frameworks and product marketing, but for me, as someone who was very self-taught, I just thrived in the organization of having a framework to turn to when a new challenge came my way. So she was one of those people that was able to get the whole team organized around things like that. And I just learned a lot from her. So those would be the three probably that would come to mind so far. That's so awesome. And how did you find them? I mean, it sounds like you worked with several of them, but is there a specific way you'd recommend approaching finding these elusive mentors? <laughs> well, you'd be surprised, you know, how many people are willing to give you advice and chat with you and help you grow if you ask. So I find that finding mentors usually happens pretty organically. You don't necessarily ask them to be your mentor, but you ask them to help you with something specific, some sort of topic that you want to learn more about, or if you have a specific question, or even if you just want some feedback, if you have to lead a meeting or a workshop or a brainstorm or something, you can just call on someone to say, Hey, can you observe this and give me feedback afterwards? Those are really great ways to build a relationship with someone and making that initial ask I found is is usually the thing that opens the door for me. So usually people are willing to help. And then my other piece of advice is if you do get help from someone, follow up, tell them how it helped you, tell them how it made you better. And it'll kind of continue to cultivate that relationship. And then just, you know, a quick exchange can turn into more of a mentor relationship over time. That's awesome. Well, that's super helpful. Yeah. I like the mini mentor approach, not going up to someone saying, will you be my mentor? Will you be my friend? <laughs> well, and it's funny. Like I've asked, I've had people ask me to be their mentor and I'm always willing to say yes, but I always push on the person to tell me what they want help with. I'm willing to help. I'm willing to offer advice and talk about my own experience, but I want it to be driven by the mentee. That totally makes sense. What would you say has been one thing that's been really important in growing your career overall? I think one thing, and I've been at SurveyMonkey for so long now, you know, six years. One thing that's helped made me pretty successful here has been being really conscious of acting in a way or collaborating in a way that makes you someone that people want to work with. Oh, I can't wait to work on this project with Morgan or, oh, Morgan's on this project. It's going to be so fun. Or oh, Morgan's team's on it, it's covered. Or, you know, you start to build that reputation of, you know, accountability, but also just being someone that people want to be around. So it's how you collaborate. It's how you care about people. It's how you show empathy. It's just how you build relationships that are more than just a professional working relationship. And it's, you know, thinking about how you can be in service of others to make the project or the whole team successful. And so I've stayed really true to that. And it's just really paved a lot of paths for me at the company, because you just start to build this reputation of someone that everyone wants to work with, and it becomes kind of uh, contagious. And then you just find opportunities start to open up. That's wonderful. Work should be fun too. It doesn't have to be all. <laughs> I completely you know? agree. And I also think that you don't have to lose your personality at work. If you're a loud, boisterous, fun person, that should show up at work. Totally agree. I love that. 
So a couple more questions. One is around networking. How do you do it? How do you do it virtually? <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, there's so much pressure to network and I, I feel like I'm not good at it. I would say I'm better at this internally, meaning within my own company than I am externally. And I think mostly it's about making sure that I'm building relationships with people. And that can be as small as grabbing time with them, using a few minutes at the start of your meeting to chat about stuff outside of work you know, how their kids are or what they're doing over the weekend and just building those relationships. And that connection can breed trust. And again, that willingness to help, like there's just so much there. So the other thing is I try to keep in touch with people. So I've been at ServiMonkey for a long time, but there have been, you know, coworkers who have come and gone and moved on to other things. And so how do I stay in touch with folks who have you know moved on to other companies? So then I have connections at other companies as well. And I don't know, I don't proactively do it as much as I probably should, but at least that's what I do internally. And then of course, over time that network spreads and grows and becomes something bigger. I haven't yet cracked the networking happy hour. I feel like I ask people to drink virtually and then it, you know, gets scheduled at 11 AM, which is considered inappropriate in most places. So Yeah. Depends on what you're putting in your coffee, I guess. But yeah, I know. And I feel like at the start of the pandemic, virtual drinks were so much more common. And I think people have gotten even fatigued over that. And so, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. I can't wait to be back in the office and back in person. That's definitely where I make so many more of my connections. I'm one of those people that is like constantly up and run, like never at my desk. I'm always either if I'm not in a conference room in a meeting, I'm like swinging by other people's desks, running things by people in person. Like I kind of have also gotten a reputation for that. I always like make my rounds or my laps every afternoon. So it's definitely a way I prefer to network. Well, soon enough, I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the last question for you, Morgan, why product marketing? Yeah, I I feel like I've touched on this a little bit, but I love that product marketing is at the center of so many things. Integrated marketing campaigns, product development and launches, thought leadership, sales enablement. And then, you know, I just feel like every day is something different. I would say that product marketing to me is that quarterback. And I think I mentioned this already too, but it's that person that, you know, really understands the foundation of what, of the strategy that you're going after, and then helps make that happen and come to life with all of the other channel partners and other departments. And so I love having a little bit of my hands in everything. And I think I'm a generalist at heart. I don't know that I love to specialize. And so product marketing, at least the way that it operates at SurveyMonkey is you're really, again, at the heart of everything. And so even though there are certain things that, of course, we own outright, it means that I never have to really drop anything that I'm excited about or passionate about because I get to be involved in everything. And so that's what keeps me in this function, I'd say. That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show, Morgan. This was so much fun. What a great start to season two. Loved having you on and just thanks so much. Can't wait for everyone to listen. Mary, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and yeah, I can't wait to listen to the rest of season two. All right. Thank you. Women in Product Marketing is proudly supported by Clue. That's Clue with a K. 
the competitive enablement platform for all product marketers. This podcast is produced by ShareBird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It is the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, so things that you liked or things you want to hear more of, please send me a note on LinkedIn or feel free to email podcasts at sharebird.com. That wraps another episode of Women in Product Marketing. Be sure to subscribe and share Women in Product Marketing with someone you think will love it. Next week, I have the pleasure to speak with the lovely Natalie Louie, the Senior Director of PMM at Sora. Can't wait for that conversation. Thank you so much for all of your support and catch you next week.